The book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. <clears throat> Pretty familiar passage if you've uh, been around church for any number of years. Obviously, if uh, maybe you haven't been around for church very long, you might not uh, have ever heard these verses, but probably uh, uh, if you've been here for any time, a couple of years or so, you, you've heard them, I'm sure. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2, <clears throat> beginning verse 8 and 9, we just read these two verses today. The Bible says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. <clears throat> it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Again, he says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. How many of you have bad allergies? Just curious. How many of you have medium allergies? <laughs> How many of you just can't stand allergies? <laughs> That's me right there. The allergies been getting to you? I don't know what it is. I, I, don't, I don't normally have too bad allergies, but I've gotten some allergy problems lately. Has nothing to do with the message. I just thought you'd like to know that. <clears throat> Misery loves company. I don't know. Sometimes I wonder if mine's not just a cold or something and it's masked. I thought it was allergies, but it's a cold, so I'm not sure what it is anymore. I think it's just me. But anyway, um, good luck to you too. But anyway, Ephesians <laughs> chapter 2, <clears throat> verses 8 and 9, we see this tremendous passage. What a wonderful passage it is. And again, it's one that really encourages the believer, obviously, uh, as we uh, consider eternity and as we look forward to the future. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 is a tremendous passage. If you ever hope to make it in life, you need to have a very basic understanding of mathematics. But math can be complicated at times. It can be complicated. Again, you have to understand some basics. I mean, you have to be able to run a checkbook. You have to be able to keep track of your finances. You need to be able to count your children when you're at the uh, grocery store. <coughs> I remember one time we had had a service over there at the uh, senior center. And uh, it was back not long after we'd started. My one boy was just a baby. And uh, they, at that time, you know, we utilized the, the... At that point, I think we were already upstairs and then we were putting some classrooms down where we had originally met down there in the basement. And then where the nursery was, it was there, the nursery was in the same spot all the time for six years. Uh, whether we had one kid or whether we, we were upwards of 15 or more, it was just, it was back where there was a pool table back there. And we set, you know, changed diapers on the pool table and, and uh, you know, I don't think they knew that. But anyway, we, <coughs> then they, the kids would crawl under the pool table and do all that stuff. Anyway, they had a good time. You know, you just had to watch the kids' heads, you know, that they did stand up under there and stuff. But it, it was a good time. And I remember um, we'd put little, um, um, I don't know, those, not cribs, but uh, we didn't have cribs at that time. We just used those play pens. And so we had the play pen. And uh, uh, I remember uh, we would put little kids in the play pens. And then sometimes they would, like all, uh, you, you know, you always hope with children that they fall asleep, you know. And Caleb was one of those kids. He had fallen asleep, I suppose, and he was in the playpen. And we had, uh, as it was normal, the services would end and everybody would start just clearing all the seats away, put away all the tables, disassemble every piece of furniture there was, put everything right back into place. 
It was all said and done. We packed up, got everything ready. We uh, loaded up the car. We closed the door, locked it, and headed home. We got home, and as we were there at the house for a little while, we realized that we're missing one. Now, my wife's not here. Don't tell her I told you this story. She'll be mortified. But what we found was that one was missing, and so we ultimately jumped back in. The, my wife, you know, I jumped back in the vehicle. I, I, I ran on back up to the church, and sure enough, there he was. Sound asleep, however. I picked him up, brought him back. Now, in this day and age, I'd be in jail today for doing something that all parents have probably done in some shape or form. But he was perfectly fine. He was safe. And there I was. There I was with our baby. I realized, I realized that we had not counted properly. You better have a basic understanding of mathematics if you want to make it in life. <clears throat> now, I can't tell you how many times I sweated a math exam or a math test. Now, I wasn't real bad at math, but then again, I wasn't the greatest at math either. I remember being in college, and at that time I was taking trigonometry... And I had a big test. I had a big test coming up the next day. And I, I spent hours the night before cramming for this test, studying. I mean, uh, uh, again, in all fairness, I, I hadn't really prepared like I probably should have. Through the course of the semester, I had allowed myself to get a little lax. And I spent time doing things I probably shouldn't have. And I didn't focus my attention all the time on the area that I probably ought to have. And as a result of that, I got to the end of the semester and it was time for the exam. And I really hadn't spent the time studying, preparing for that exam. I hadn't, throughout the course of the semester, kept up. And as a result, I was kind of behind. So I'm cramming. I mean, I'm really trying to figure it out. I'm going through the books. I'm spending an hour on end trying to get this thing down. I was one of those people that when I went to bed at night, I'd go to sleep, you know, say midnight or something. I'd get up at four in the morning so that I could then begin to study before my class and my exams. Now, those are things you can do when you're young. The older you get, that gets a little tougher. But nonetheless, I do remember getting up early again around four, four thirty. I jumped right back into the books. I never took showers or nothing. I just jumped right in the book. I did take showers, but I'm saying I didn't take it right when I got up. You know, I start studying. Well. Then I headed over to the school. I'm still fretting this test. I mean, I, I can't even imagine what it's going to turn out like. Well, I get over there at the college, and, and I run into my brother. Now, my brother's the total opposite of me when it comes to books. He's smart. He is like, he's a genius. I believe that. I, 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 know, I know he had some uh, psychological testing. He is a genius, though. No, I'm joking. But anyway, he did. He had those, what do they do, those uh, IQ tests? You know, somebody gave him an IQ test one time. Uh, he was off the charts. You know, he's way up there, you know. I mean, he's a Ph.D. now, teaches engineering and all that stuff and all this junk at the college. He's a really smart guy. Anyway, I ran into him, and I said, Ed, you've got to give me a hand, man. I'm freaking out. I got this exam. He goes, well, what's it on? I said, it's on everything. Well, what do you need help with? I said, everything. He said, you should have. He says, when's the test? I said, in one hour. He said, you should have come to me at least a day ahead of time. And I said, I know, it's just a problem now. I thought I could get it figured out. He took me into a room. He began to write on this big chalkboard. He's doing all these things. He's teaching me how to do it, trying to show me all these examples. He's going to my book. He goes, let's see, what book are you using? I showed him. He goes, I think this is on page 96 of that book. He's, I mean, he's taking me right to the pages. 
smart guy. He had had that class probably three years earlier. He just was smart. Not me. So anyway, it came time to take the test, and I went into the room, you know, and I was just sweating bullets, man. I sat down, and I'll tell you what, I was concerned. Well, anyway, mathematics. Mathematics can be complicated. It can be difficult. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Do you know that God wants every man, every woman, every boy, and every girl to come to the saving knowledge? To come to a saving knowledge of Him. Matter of fact, in 2 Peter 3, 9, He says, The Lord is not slack concerning His promises, some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward. And this is the best part. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He's not willing that any should perish. That means, if that's the case now, and I believe it is, it's in the Word, God never lies. That means that things must be simple and not complicated. They get complicated, that means there's going to be some that aren't going to make it. I mean, there's some that get so confused they'd never find their way. So it has to be simple. Simple enough that all can understand. What we'll note this morning is that salvation is not mathematics. It's never complicated. It's never confusing. It's always simple and it's always basic. This morning I just want to share a little message I've entitled, The Eternal Equation. The Eternal Equation. So let's pray and then we'll continue. Father, we thank you for this time together. We're grateful for the opportunity to gather. Lord, what a great group that's here this morning. And Lord, they're here because they want to get something from you. Lord, may I not stand in their way. Help me not to be a stumbling block today, but help me to be a stepping stone. May I be a blessing to them and an encouragement as your Holy Spirit stretches forth and reaches out to them. As Father, as your word, Father, truly penetrates their heart and mind. Lord, may you bring change where it's needed, and may our heart be just knit together more closely with yours. Lord, thank you again for what you will do today. May we be encouraged in Christ's name. Amen. So, you know, salvation's not a mathematical problem. It's not math. It's simple. It's not addition. That's the one thing we know. It's not addition. I mean, you don't just add Christ to your already busy life to be saved. That's not how it works. In the book of Exodus chapter 20, turn there if you would please. Exodus chapter 20 beginning in verse 3. We're going to note and be reminded, I believe, of a passage that, well, identifies the Lord as our one and only God. Notice it says in Exodus chapter 20, Genesis, Exodus. You're right there at the beginning of the Bible. Chapter 20 beginning in verse 3. Again, the children of Israel uh, have exited Egypt and they, they are... Uh, now at Sinai, and God is given, has given Moses the Ten Commandments. And this is one of our commandments here, Exodus 20. He says, Thou shalt have no other gods before me, verse 3. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth, that thou, uh, thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. Again, thou shalt have no other gods before me. No other gods. You know, we live in a very convenient culture, don't we? 
Everything is quickly found and at our fingertips. When we have fast food, rapid care, and instant messaging. I mean, we got, I mean, everything is immediate. Everything is right there, right now. We don't have to wait on anything, and nothing has to be inconvenient, nothing has to be uncomfortable. And as a result of that, I believe that we have created a convenient God as well. I think we've created our own God. It's not the God of the Bible, but He sure fits the cultural expectations and societal norms of our day. I mean, He's accepting to all. He's available to all. And He's forgiving of all. He's there when we need Him, if we need Him. And like, kind of like a heated blanket. You know, he, He simply waits for us to turn Him on and use Him. We can put him away in fair weather and take him out when things get uncomfortable. Either way is fine with him, of course. He's content to be at our beckoning call. That's the God we've created today in our culture. That's the God of the media. That's the God of, of the world. It doesn't matter what you call him. You call him whatever you want. It doesn't matter what road you think you have to take. I mean, let's face it. Everybody can kind of concoct and conceive their own idea of who and what God is. Because God to you may be different than what God is to me. That's what the world's telling us. And that's what the devil wants you to believe. The problem is, is that God defines himself in his own word. He outlines and describes himself very clearly. His expectations, his desires, his longing, his his passion is, is revealed to us in this book. Because we have created a God of our own, we are quite content with our lifestyles many times. We believe God is content with them, therefore why do I have to worry or be concerned? I don't I need change nothing. I'm fine the way I am. Hold on. Remember that salvation is not addition. You don't just simply add Christ to your already busy life. I'm going to ask a number of people to come up and give me a hand for just a moment. Josh, I want you to come up. I want you to represent marriage. Come on up. Dean, I want you to come up. I want you to represent family. Come on up, brother. I want you to represent work. Um... Brother, can you come on up? I want you to represent TV. Young lady, can you come on up? I want you to represent uh, hobbies. Brother Mark, can you come on? Yeah, right, Ella. Yeah, I want you to come up here, honey. Thank you. I know you love being up front. Hobbies and computer. Sweetheart, can you come on up too? Can you help me out? Video games. Here she comes, video games. Brother Fred, why don't you come up and represent education? You're a rock of ages, you know. Prison, prisoner. I don't know what side of the doors he ought to be on, but nonetheless, he's with us today. Watch your wives and children. But nonetheless, I'm joking, I'm joking. So what we have up here represented today, we have marriage and family and work and television and hobbies and computers. And computers may be things like social networking and our our texting and our Facebook and all those. Our video games and our education, all those things. Come on over here. Would you just gather around me, would you please? Everybody gathers around all those things today. Gathered around. There you go. That's my life, okay? 
It represents my life. Now listen, that, that's not that complicated. It's pretty simple. I think we all kind of understand that. Now here, here's what I need. I, I, I need, uh, I'll tell you, where's brother, is brother Kavanaugh here? Brother Kavanaugh, you come up. You represent Jesus. I think you're probably the closest one in the crowd. The, the, the most, the newest staff member. Of course, he's third in line, so that means that Brother Hamilton and I are a little more holy. But he's certainly the most holy in here, I'm sure. Well, maybe not. But nonetheless, he's going to represent, turn if you would please, you represent Jesus Christ. Now, here's what we're trying to do today. In, in, in the world in which we live, I go out and I knock on a door. Hi, I'm... Uh, Pastor Donald, I'm uh, from Community Baptist Temple, just out in the area today because we believe God's concerned about folks, and because God's concerned about folks, so are we. So I thought we'd stop by today and see if there's anything that we could do as a church to help you or your family today. Oh, we're doing fine. Things seem to be going well. I'm glad about that. I'll take some time to talk with them, get to know them a little bit. Before I leave, I'll say something like, well, you know what, as important as, uh, uh, just before I leave, I've certainly enjoyed our visit. I appreciate your hospitality, but before I leave, I'd like to ask you a simple question. If you died today, are you 100% sure where you'd spend eternity? Uh, well, I, I hope it'd be heaven, really. But you know what? I think I'd hope it'd be heaven, too. I'd be a little lighthearted with him. I'd say this, though, if you could know. I mean, without a doubt, 100% sure you're on your way to heaven. Wouldn't that be good news? Well, yeah, I think so. Yeah, that'd be good news. Can I take a moment and show you how you can know? Okay. Here's what happens, though. Many times I'm fearful this is what's happening. But take the Bible out and we begin to share the gospel. Spend 20, 30 minutes sharing the gospel. The fact that, that we're all sinners. The fact that, there, that, that, that the reason for our sin, that, that Adam, of course, is the reason for our sin. Because of the sin of Adam, we're all sinners now. You know, that kind of thing. So we, we're sinners. We know why we're sinners. We share with them the, the wages of that sin. That there's a penalty or price for sin. Then we tell them about how Jesus Christ died on Calvary and He rose again and how He being perfect and holy, being the pro perfect sacrifice, uh, shed His blood as, as payment for our sin. And then the last thing you need to know is that if you will by faith trust Jesus Christ your Savior, you can be saved. The Gospel. Here's what's happening, I think. Again, remember a convenient culture. Remember, salvation's not... Addition. Here's what we're trying to do. Hmm. Let's see. I got my marriage, my family, my... Yeah, sure, I'll, I'll add Jesus into the mix. Lord, okay, Lord, I, I believe I'm a sinner, sir, no doubt about it. I ask you to come into my life, be my Savior. I know I can't get to heaven without you. Take me there, Lord. Amen. Hold on. Here's what's happening, I think. Jesus, why don't you come on in here? Yeah, that's good. Notice that Jesus isn't any more important, any more valuable than the rest of them. He's just, he's just like the rest of those things I fit in. Matter of fact, hold on, I think I got room for you, Jesus. Why don't you stand in here now? Sure, I'll trust him. We're trying to add Jesus to our life. And even if we are saved and mean business with God, I want you to know the believer's doing this today. The believer has his family and his work and his, his schooling and his responsibilities. He's got his, his, his uh, hobbies and he's got all those different things that, that circle around him. And he's always trying to, here, you move over here. I've got to schedule you and I'm scheduling you and I'm scheduling this and scheduling that. Jesus, hold on, Jesus. I'll get to you. I, I don't, right now, I'll fit you in sooner or later. That's what's really going on in our Christian lives. 
And that's unfortunately, I'm sorry to say, maybe the mentality that we find in the world more so than just a rejection of Christ, we find a willingness to include Christ, but not biblically allow Christ to be the God of the Bible. See, Jesus, this is how it ought to work. Can everybody except for Jesus, or the personage, or likeness, or, well, just the person playing the part, stand here for just a moment. Can you guys move all the way over there? Thank you, right there. When I trust Christ as my Savior, He is to become my world. He's number one now. And if you're a child of God, He ought to be number one in your life. The Bible says that He is to be our all in all. He's not just supposed to be a part of our life. He is our life. He's not supposed to be a big piece of our life. He's to be the whole thing. That's what the Bible teaches. I know that's not what our world teaches, and it's not maybe even what most pastors teach, but it's what the Bible teaches. He says, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. What's that mean? Anything that goes before Him becomes an idol. Therefore, nothing and no one should stand ahead of Him. So I put Him number one. Right there He is. Then, come on over here, marriage. Come on over here, family. You can fit right over there. And come on over here, uh, uh, job. Who's got my work there? There He comes. Come on. <laughs> Notice that I don't like to work many hours. And uh, then I start to put in my, my, my hobbies and my, my, just come, yeah, just now the rest of you, just come on, I'll fit you in here as I can. Oh, 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 I don't have room for you right now, hobby. Can you slip over there? Because Jesus is, he's a little big right now and I don't have room for that hobby right now. Well, everybody deserves a little leisure, pastor. Really? You're serious about that? Well, that's good. I thought that's what my family was about. I thought I spent family time and that was a blessing to me. Last time I thought, I thought my wife was supposed to be a blessing. Now, I'm not opposed to, a, to oh, maybe I can go golfing every once in a while. Or maybe I can go hunting or fishing. That's fine, too. If you can get away and do it all the time, great. But wait a second. How's come? How's come? I'm just kind of curious. If Jesus is really everything to me, he's so big in my life, how's come I can take off every weekend and go down to the cabin so I can fish? I don't understand that. You know why? Because Jesus is just another piece that I have to fit into my life these days. He is not what He's supposed to be. He's what I make Him. He is just a heated blanket that I turn on when I need Him. I'm sorry, that's rough, and it may sound harsh, but let me tell you something. There's not one thing on this stage that I mentioned that ought to go before or come before Him. Not one. Hey, but I'll tell you one thing, and here's where you get mixed up sometimes. Some people think the preacher's nuts. Can I tell you how it really works now? Can I really tell you how it works? When I make him number one in my life, not one of those things goes neglected. Because he spells balance out for me. He and his word truly makes it clear where my family ought to be in my life, where my wife fits in my life, where my children fit in my life, where everything else falls into place. My wife should never feel neglected, but my wife can feel neglected when I put too much emphasis on my activities. My wife will feel neglected when I put my education above her. My wife will feel neglected when I put my children above her. My wife will feel neglected when I put my work above her. When she honestly feels that she's not number one, as God said she ought to be outside of Him, mind you. 
then all of a sudden she got a problem with me. But when I make God first, I understand she goes, she's right there. She's number one in this life to me. There's no relationship in this world more important than the woman God gave me. My wife don't feel second to my kids. And if she does, I better fix that. Because that, that doesn't please God. Do you understand? When we put God first, all of the priorities fall into place. We put Jesus Christ first in our life, then all of a sudden everything is in its proper place and proper order. And nothing goes undone or neglected. It's when we get out of balance with Him. When we start following our own flesh. That's when things get totally out of whack. And then people's needs aren't being met and our life starts to fall apart and unravel. Thank you. I appreciate your help today. I'd give my hand, but they didn't do that good a job. <laughs> all right, all right. Okay, they did do a good job. <laughs> but it's not addition. It's not addition. Now, I taught you a very important principle there, and I hope you hold on to that, and I hope you grasp it. Jesus is to be all in all. He's to be number one. No other gods before him. Nothing. And all of a sudden, everything else falls into place. It's an amazing thing. Hey, not only is salvation not addition, but it's not subtraction. You don't just subtract or remove things that are not pleasing to God and be saved. You know, sometimes when I talk to people about the Lord, they're, they're a little hesitant, and they'll say things like, well, when I get rid of this sin, then I'll come to it. Or when I deal with some of those things in my life that I know aren't right, or when I finally get this taken care of, then I'll come to Jesus Christ. Well, first of all, you subtracting sin in your life or something that doesn't please God or sending it out of your life, that's not going to get you saved, I'm telling you right now. You try to clean yourself up every day of your life, it'll never be enough. It's never enough. The Bible tells us in Isaiah 64, 6, But we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. We all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. Filthy rags. Even our best deeds are soiled rags, he says. I mean, uh, you're working on the car. You ever work on a car? Or maybe, ladies, you, you had some grease spill in the kitchen. You take that rag, you wipe up that grease. Then all of a sudden, later on, you forget about it and you think, man, my hands are wet, I'm going to wipe them off. You go over there and you grab that rag, you start to wipe your hands off. Ugh. Do you know that your righteousness, the best you can do for God, is like that greasy, oily rag? Well, I'm just going to clean some things up. I'm going to do. I'm going to start flying straight. Doesn't work that way. It's not only is it not addition, it's not subtraction, it's not multiplication. Salvation's not multiplication. You don't just start doing a number of good things. Well, I'm going to stop doing the bad. Subtraction. That's not going to get it done. Well, I'll start doing a bunch of good things. Sorry, that doesn't work. It doesn't work. You know, we get the idea that the judgment is a scale. One day when I die, I'll stand before God and the, the eternal scale will be weighed in my presence. If my good outweighs my bad, I win. If it doesn't, I lose. I think I'm going to start doing some good things. 
I'm going to multiply my good deeds. And therefore, when I stand before God at the great white throne and the, the balance in my life is weighed in the balance, the good will outweigh the bad. And God, of course, liking good things, will say, go on in. You made it. By the skin of your teeth, but you made it. Hold on, that's not how it works either. It's not a matter of a balance. You either have a reservation or you don't. I mean, you either, you either have an appointment there in heaven. You've already got a place established. Your name's already written on the mailbox. He says over in the book of Revelation, he says, chapter 20, verse 15, I'll, I'll look at it and read it real quick. I don't want to mess it up. He says over there in chapter 20, verse 15, he says, And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Written in the book of life. And when does your name get put in a book? I mean, when's, when's the book of life? I mean, at what point are you secure in that book? If your name's not in that book, you don't make it. You know what? When you get saved, I can guarantee you your name's in the book, and I can guarantee you you have a reservation in heaven. I can guarantee you you have a home in heaven. But you don't get there by just doing a bunch of good deeds or good things. What did our passage say? Not by, it, says, it says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. That means there's nothing you can do to get there. It says, Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us in Titus 3.5. Not our works, His work. Not our effort, His effort. Not our sacrifice, his sacrifice. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18 and 19, the Bible says, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, the perfect Savior, Jesus Christ, literally died on Calvary, shed His blood, was buried, and rose again the third day so that you could be saved. Not one thing you can do can change where your eternal destination is except to receive and accept Him as Savior. That's about it. You have the option to yield your will to His will, and His will is that you do not perish but that you come to repentance. So if it's not addition, it's not subtraction, it's not multiplication, well then obviously we've been discussing it already, it's Jesus Christ. It's that simple. I mean, He's Creator, isn't He? Of course He is. In Colossians chapter 1, turn there if you would please, because I know you want to learn this, and you want this grass grounded in your mind. Because I'm telling you right now, we live in an age where people have no concept of God today. They, they, they don't, the many of them are very unaware of uh, whether he, they don't, they're not believe whether he exists or whether he doesn't. I'm going to tell you, Jesus Christ created all things. You say, well, God did. That's right, and Jesus is God. Notice what it says here, specifically referring to the Lord Jesus Christ in Colossians chapter 1. It says, for by him were all things created, verse 16. For by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by Him and for Him, and He is before all things, and by Him all things consist. It's talking about Jesus Christ. You see the context of Colossians chapter 1 when you get an opportunity. No doubt about it, Jesus Christ is Creator. 
He's also Savior. In 1 John 4.14, the Bible tells us, And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. If I could add, subtract, or multiply something in order to be saved, if I could do that, that would make me my Savior. Wouldn't it? I mean, if I could do something to get to heaven, if I could work hard enough, add, I, I could add something to my life, I could subtract something from my life, I could multiply something from my life, if I could do that, then I wouldn't need Him. i become my own Savior. Simple. Don't confuse things with common sense, preacher. It's too simple. I know. It's not a math problem. It's salvation. And God wants everybody to be able to find it. Have it. Do you think that He loves only us? Yeah, I know, but there's some people out there, preacher, that honestly, you think He only loves you? You really think you're any better than the most vile, wretched sinner that you can point out in that world? I know, I know, I know I'm treading on thin ice right now because some people get their pride hurt. I'm going to tell you something. Last time I checked, the Bible said there's none that doeth good. No, not one. That includes me. I've had people sometimes when I've talk to them or shared the gospel, they turn around and say, well, yeah, for you, I, I can see you, you would surely go to heaven. But me, I don't know. I'd say, well, why would you say that? Well, I mean, look what you do. You give your life to people and to others and you, 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 you do all these things. And you're a pastor. For sure, you're going to get to heaven. Well, what's, they don't know my heart. I'm no different than anybody else. I have a position, and you ought to respect that position. God-given position. No doubt about it. Just like you ought to respect your parents, kids. Whether you think they deserve it or not, they deserve your honor. Because of the position they hold. I don't think we teach that enough to our young people today, by the way. And unfortunately, it's because their parents don't abide by it, I think, in many cases. Your boss ought to have your respect simply because he's your boss or she's your boss. Not just because they deserve it. Well, I don't give people respect unless they deserve it. Well, you probably won't keep a job very long. I'm just saying God has some God-given roles. Okay, this is one of them. But I'm going to tell you something. This role doesn't get me one step closer to heaven. We're all sinners, equal sinners. And He is the Savior. And I'm glad He is the Savior. Because if I had to depend on myself, I'd never make it. See, more than I need a new car, a bigger house, nicer clothes, I need Jesus Christ. More than I need a beautiful bride or a handsome husband or a faithful friend, I need Jesus Christ. More than money in the bank or a good-paying job or a healthy nest egg, I need Jesus Christ. Everybody needs Jesus Christ more than anything else in this world. Don't be fooled by the smiles on people's faces. There's an emptiness and there's a void if Jesus isn't there. There's a need that goes unmet their whole entire life. 
until they meet the Master. I want to encourage you. Don't make salvation so complicated. Not only for others, but for yourself. You know how it is the moment you get saved, the devil starts telling you, oh, you're not saved. It's too, too easy. That was too easy. Did you mean it? Are you serious? Did you truly let Christ sit on the throne of your life? Now, yeah, if nothing changed in your life and you could care less, but I think you're here today. I mean, it just kind of shows that maybe you cared enough to say, when I, meant, when I invited Christ in my life, I meant it. Or I, would, I mean, you wouldn't be here probably, I wouldn't think. Then again, maybe not. I don't know. Only you know your heart. I'm going to tell you something. Salvation simple. It's not a math equation. I walked into that classroom. I sat down in that seat, and I mean to tell you, I was sweating bullets. They began to pass out the test, and I thought to myself, I'm doomed. I am doomed. I put my name on it. Teacher said, now... Actually, I didn't put my name on it yet. You had to put them face down. She said, go. I flipped it over, put my name on it, started into that test. Man, I, I was running through the things my brother taught me like a catalog. I mean, I was just trying to, okay, this looks familiar, this looks familiar. I left that test going, oh, man, I, I messed up big time. I should have studied sooner. I should have prepared. I should have readied myself. I did get my grade back. Someone says, did you pass? Technically? Yeah. But did I really pass? No. You know what's sad? Salvation isn't complicated like math. And yet there are those that will wait until it's too late. And when the trumpet sounds or and Jesus returns for his own, they'll be left behind. Or they close their eyes in death unexpectedly, they'll miss heaven. It wasn't math. It's not complicated. There's no reason in this world anyone should miss heaven. It's just simple salvation. I want to encourage you to get on board. To let Jesus Christ be first. Invite Him into your life. Allow Him to forgive your sin. Permit Him to give you that reservation in heaven and to make you one of His own. Let Him do that today for you, would you? You'll never regret it. And as a child of God, why don't you just think about where Jesus fits in your life today? If you're trying to fit Him in your life, then that means He's not your life. I'm not trying to scold anyone. I'm telling you, think about it. Where does God, the Lord Jesus Christ, fit in your life? Do you fit everyone and everything else around Him? Or do you try to squeeze Him in when you get a chance? Let's remember the biblical model, not our convenient one. Father, we thank you again for this time we have together and for the opportunity that we have to, to just reflect on you. And again, Lord, 
You, you know our hearts and you know our, our fails, failures and you know our weaknesses and you know our strengths. Father, we, we desperately need you this morning. What a great group that's gathered here. And Lord, you know each of our hearts like probably better than we do even at times. You see us for what and who we really are. And Lord, I can, as my grandma would say, put on the dog. But Lord, the truth is, is you see me for who and what I am. Lord, may I be honest with myself. And may each in this room be honest with themselves. There may be someone in this room that doesn't have Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. They've never invited Him to become their Lord, to take them to heaven, to forgive their sin. Lord, they, they, be, they believe in You, but they haven't received You and accepted You. Lord, may they not delay any longer. It's too simple. Don't Help them not to waste time, but to get on board now, to see the need to trust You today. And Lord, may You just be with every believer in the crowd. May we not try to squeeze you into our life, but instead, Lord, begin to let you be number one in our life, be our life, our all in all, and then to begin to arrange those other things and people according to your word. Boy, that brings tremendous balance and peace to our life. And our purpose is defined and we're so blessed. Now, meet our needs. We'll thank you. With every head bowed, let me ask you quickly. I don't know for sure. I'm on my way to heaven. Would that be you today? I can't say that if I died right now that I would enter heaven's gates. I'm not sure. I might miss it. Would you let me pray for you today? That's me, preacher. I don't have it settled. I don't know for sure if I died, I'd go to heaven. Will you let me pray for you? You'd raise your hand quickly. Let me just pray for you. I can't. I won't be able to make out your face probably. I don't see that well uh, from the distance. But... I'll definitely pray for you as a person before God. I, I, I won't have your name, but I'll pray for you. Will, will you let me do that? I don't know for sure. If I doubt, I'd go to heaven, preacher. That's me. Anybody in the crowd today? I don't have it settled. I don't know for sure. Can I pray for you? Anybody? Can I pray for you? I'm a child of God. Okay, let me ask you. Is there a need to put Christ at the center of your life? To be your all in all? Not just a big piece of it, but everything. Maybe you need to come to an altar and say, Lord, I'm going to let you take your rightful place on the throne of my life. Be my number one. And then I'm going to prioritize my life, my family, everything according to your word. Because I know you always have my best interest at heart. You'd never steer me wrong, Lord. I'll just be obedient as you lead me and as you direct me from your word. Father, thank you now for this time together. Be with your people. Lord, if there be one or... Others that are lost without Christ, may they be saved today. We'll thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Let's all stand to our feet. Every head.